As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, who better to lead the way than our own Luke Bogacki? Check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite today. In addition, today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality new or used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. Whether you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. And the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Luke, what's happening, bud? Hello, a lot, Jed. I'm kind of uh, I'm refreshed. I'm rejuvenated. I just got back from a little vacation, so life is good. Awesome. Awesome. I, I got to see some of the Facebook uh, posts from your vacation. Looked like you guys had a great time in in the big city, the Big Apple. Yeah, the biggest city. Um, like I, I don't think, I think you can do it justice with words. I'd been there once before, but I was like a freshman in high school, so um, my viewpoint, my my perspective was a little bit different. But uh, it is. It's take. If you've never been to New York City, take the the biggest like downtown that you've ever been in, and then multiply it by like twenty. <laughs> because it's just as busy right. as downtown, what, Las Vegas, St. Louis, Memphis, yeah. wherever. Um, it's just bigger. <laughs> it's just more of it. Uh, Manhattan is is impressive. But no, we did. We had a good time. Um, thanks to uh, Peter and Emily for the hospitality. We actually stayed with the Biondos for 
the first half of our trip, maybe three nights, and then spent awesome. a couple of nights downtown in Manhattan. So uh, kind of got the full experience, but um, it was fun. It was a it was a good time all the way around. And and I don't know, Jed, like I mean, just say this where it doesn't come across wrong. Like with I guess we all are, um, you know, creatures of habit, and we're all. Uh, in our own little world for the most part, you know, I mean, we build a Certainly. little cocoon around ourselves and to some extent, like, I don't know if you feel like you know it all, but you get kind of comfortable, you know what I mean? Like in your own little world, you feel like you've got a handle on a lot of it, yeah. you know, for the most part. Yeah. You go to a place like that and it just like what slapped me in the face was like, man, there is so much that I don't know. Like there's so much <laughs> out there that I have no idea about. You see all these cultures and religions and subway systems and mass transit and stuff that you never give two thoughts about and when you get a little bit yeah. into it just on the on the surface it's fascinating and there's just there's just so much out there so i, I guess if there's a takeaway from my trip that was it <laughs> well I, i'm hoping to do that same trip one day with the family and then go see pete and emily and uh you're a fairly well-traveled guy, so if it was quite amazing to you, I can only imagine what it's going to be like to a little small town here. So yeah, that's that's when country sure. comes to town, Big Jed. That's how I felt, and I and I and I feel like you've lived a little bit more sheltered life than I have. So I yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll get to experience it one day. Uh, yeah, you need to. It's sure. it's a fun trip, especially with with Pete and Emily up there. They they take care of you. I bet. <laughs> well, in fact, we got a busy show. As always, we've got results, high points from around the country, uh, NHRA National Event in Sonoma, double divisional at Topeka. Between the two, I'd say pretty consequential shakeups in the NHRA championship chases. We'll talk about that. I had three 10-granders at uh, Keystone up in Pittsburgh or near Pittsburgh. Had a big bucks race in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Got some exciting developments and announcements from the Allstate news, uh, from the Allstate race. But as is uh, typical, let's start things off by telling everybody who's hot with our Seabrook Performance Who's Hot segment. He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. Now it's time for our Seabrook Performance Who's Hot Racer. Seabrook Performance does it all. Competition engine building, quality machine work, carburetors, and more. Seabrook Performance is also a stocking dealer for Cali's, Wiseco, Comp Cams, Moroso, Holly, Nitrous Express, and more. Call Luke Siebert at 785-286-6813 or email SiebertPerformance at gmail.com. Now our Siebert Performance Who's Hot Racer joining us on the Siebert Performance call here is former NHRA world champ, soon to be a repeat NHRA world champ. He probably doesn't want to hear that yet. <laughs> This guy entered the weekend in top sportsman flirting with a second world championship. Now, after his win in Topeka, it's taken it basically to a foregone conclusion. Uh, you know, you only get to claim eight events for points. He's got six wins and a runner-up. We could go on and on about him, but we're going to let you talk to him yourself. Great to have Jeffrey Barker here with us as our Who's Hot Racer. Jeffrey, how's it going, bud? Oh, doing pretty good, man. Just glad to be back home from Topeka. A uh, long week and long ride out there and back by myself but hey it was worth it and glad to be home and kind of settled back in and uh taking it all in so to speak 
Awesome. And first off, congratulations. Obviously, you have been on fire prior to and obviously going through the weekend in Topeka. Looking back, you kicked off the season in strong form. If I remember right, you missed a home division event or two. I know you got a baby on the way. I assume all of those factors played into your decision to make the trek, what is it, 14 hours from South Georgia to Topeka? (laughs) It was a little – it was – it was showing that, and I said, well, you know, time you stop a couple times, whatever, it's going to be another hour, and then I got caught in a traffic jam, so it was right at 16 hours going out there, so yeah, it was, but yeah, that was all, I missed the first race in Orlando, you know, we built Lindsay and the Dragster, and it was, it, it wasn't, Miller's building it for us, and it wasn't their fault, we, uh, you know, found out Lindsay was pregnant in January, so we wasn't pushing them for it by no means, so that kind of put me to, you know, not be in no hurry for anything and i wasn't really planning on racing much my engine uh, actually you know someone that's chasing me a point sandy wilkins had the engine that came out of my car going that's going into Lindsay's new car and we were freshening it and after this whole deal came about with the baby on the way i said well we'll just get it together whenever you know and i'll put it back in the car just run a few races and we're not really pushed to run anything. Well, the first few races, we go out there and win the first two. And I was like, well, we'll see what happens. Next you know, thing you that, know. <laughs> next thing you know, here we are again, you know. So, but uh, that's that's kind of where we're at today. The trip to Topeka, I think I read somewhere. Did, did you go there and back by your lonesome? I went all by myself. Uh, Lindsay was, she had to work. And my dad's been in and out of town the past couple of weeks. So he didn't really need to go. And. I could have had I, I could have flown her out there, but I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm gonna go out there, and of course, I wanted her to be there, but I go out there, and I'll find somebody to help me. Jeff Strickland offered for Larry to help me, and uh, several other other you know racers said, hey, you don't worry about it, just come, and we'll we'll find somebody to help you. And the biggest thing really is is just you know, Topeka's so big. I mean, I said, mm-hmm. well, I just drive the car up there and back. It's not that big a deal. Not but, there, yeah. You know, Topeka's so large. <laughs> I mean. I don't have a big enough fuel cell, you know. So, anyways, Royce Freeman, he uh, he asked me, you know, several races prior, was I coming? And I said, I'm, you know, I don't know, maybe. And then I, you know, I said, well, because of when the baby's doing the races around that, I said, I'm, I got to go to St. Louis and then go to Topeka. But I didn't really need to be gone that long. And when they canceled St. Louis, it was almost a relief. And I said, mm-hmm. great, you know, I'm going to Topeka and kind of be stress free, so to speak. So, but uh, anyway, so the the week prior, Royce called me or texted me or something and said, you know, you come. And I said, well, I, I, I guess, but, you know, I don't have nobody to help me. And he says, we got plenty of guys. Just come on and we'll, no problem. You know, we'll, we'll have somebody help you. So that's kind of the way it worked out. And uh, very grateful to those guys. They really helped me out a lot and uh, means a lot for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. It'd be one thing for, for me or, or Jed or probably the majority of our listeners to, to take off and go racing by themselves we ain't in a top sportsman car like that that's not that's yeah. not a that's not yeah. a one-man operation so no no i mean t- t- typically the you know you know my program so to speak is normally pretty maintenance free unless something tears up and things that we're going fast enough where parts can break often but i mean i try to stay on top of my stuff pretty good and you know, have as little failures as possible as we all do but uh so and gratefully throughout the weekend i mean there wasn't a single thing that I had to repair, fix, or do anything. So that that helped a lot. But you know, the biggest thing is is 
you know, these big cubic inch engines with a lot of strokes and what have you, you know, you try not to get any more heat into motors and rods and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. than you have to. So just saving engine life and all that's the biggest thing was pushing them up there, pushing them back, et cetera, taking the front end on and off and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we come back from the room, we saw the front end off, the guy's like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm good, everything's fine, nothing broke, give me 20 minutes and we'll be ready to go. And that's pretty much the way the whole weekend went. So, uh, but, but anyhow, it, it yeah. just, it just worked out. And it sounded like it went very well and smooth. Jeffrey, what would you consider was what would you consider was your biggest round of the weekend? Oh man. The biggest round of the weekend. You know, the the, the best race I had was or the you know, I say the best, the best package I had, the tightest I raced was against Bob Guetti in the first race. I think we ran I guess it was the semis I think we ran, I don't remember, but it was I knew Bob was Bob's a great racer. I knew I was going to have to be good. And uh, when, we, when we went up there to stage, he, he double bowled. And, and I don't think he did it on purpose. Or, or I mean, even if he did or didn't, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's, I mean, you don't, have, you don't have to courtesy stage in top sportsman. It was no big deal. So I was like, okay, no big deal. Just bumped in. And, and I think I was 009. And, and I, I felt like he was going under. So I just kind of went out there. And he was exactly where I thought he would be and pick my spot and I was I dropped a dead zero and that I mean that was a you know great package obviously and he was he was good too. He was eighteen and went under as well but or I say went under as well. He went under. So I, I don't know. I mean it, it's hard to pick one round that was the the round, but that was one round definitely that I was had a sigh of relief when my wind light came on. I also had to run the second race I had to run I think he put, pronounced it Larry DeMars in third round and I knew that would be a, a tight race too. It was a double breakout. And I just you know, came out on the winning side, but those two rounds probably were, I'd have to say, that you know the two rounds of the weekend that I was grateful to get by, so to speak, or happy to win. Like I was happy every win like came on, but but those two, you know, sure, you, I was, dude, you make that sound like you go a nine fifty in the quarter mile. I mean, you're, you're looking around. <laughs> I was going to say All the right. same thing. It was like, yeah, I just rolled up and I thought, yeah, I didn't can't quite get there. I dropped my spot, dropped a dead on. Looks like you're in a seven seventy foot brake car. And it just, to, as a reminder, he is going six sixty at like two ten plus, right? <laughs> right. Well, you guys are racing. Enough. You know how it is when you get in a, a certain rhythm of driving a, one certain car so much. I mean, it, it really once you drive it, once you go that fast, it. It, it doesn't. I mean, you don't think you're going that fast. I know I've asked Langdon before when he's driving his top fuel car. It's like, hey man, you know what's what's the deal? I mean, yeah, he's like it's fast, but you get to the point where it's kind of like you know normal, so to speak. I guess I don't know, but but you know things happen way faster to you know to kill ET at going 210 miles an hour in a door car is way different than killing ET in a 170 mile an hour super gas car. It's not mm-hmm. the same, you know, but. But you learn it and all that good stuff, and that's just what I've been doing the most of the last however many years. So, anyways, but and there again, if me and Bob were dialed, we wouldn't dial too far apart. I don't remember what I was dialed. I think I was dialed 65 or 64, and he was dialed 74 or something like that. So it wasn't like a huge spot. So the whole way down the track, it was pretty, you know, every, everything was right there in front of you. So it wasn't like he was dialed 770. That's that's when it's tough, you know. Right, when there's some guys are, you, especially in your left lane. They leave first, and you don't see them because your hood scoots in the way to like probably twelve hundred feet, and then you have to decide what to do. You know, so but it was fun. Jeffrey, from the from the outside looking in, and I've said this before in the podcast, top sportsman looks as though like a significant portion of success in the class, a, a big part of the battle is 
getting from A to B every run, going as fast as you guys are going. And you not only do that, you do it with one of the quickest cars in the category, like seemingly every single run. What's your secret, so to speak? Like, how do you make that look so easy? Well, I don't know if I really have a a real good answer for that, but I'm very detailed when it comes to every aspect of just running the car. I mean, I've been, you know, I mean, there's a lot of guys that's been doing a long time and I've, I've been doing a long time and I just, I really pay attention. I'm, I guess I'm kind of like, I'm not going to say a data nerd because I'm not, but if something happens, I want to know why. And then I go do something different to figure out if it fixed it or didn't. And that kind of stuff helped me. I, I, I get really intrigued with other competitors. I, I don't say other competitors, just other guys that in drag racing that are really smart and I've, you know, bounce ideas off of. And they, you know, you talk to three or four different guys, they give you three or four different ideas and they may all be right or they may all be wrong. But you try to take them and try them and do that, you know, apply it and see what happens. But, you know, I don't know that I can really answer it. I just, I know what works for me and the way I run my car. I can tell you this, the way I run my car, as far as the system, the, the one system of nitrous I run on it, it can go a lot faster on that one system if I apply the power to it immediately, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I try to keep it, you know, I try to keep it, I try to keep it aggressive, but like this, for instance, let's say, you know, you're go you go to a track and the air is bad, it's 3,000 foot of air. Well, I may put all my power in a lot faster than I would when it was, say, a thousand foot of air. When it's a thousand foot of air, I pull a lot of power out early. And the reason, the main thing I'm after is to make the car think it's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, we go to Bristol, we go to Bristol and the air's bad and all that good stuff. I apply the power to the car quicker. It's the same total power at the end, but I apply it to the car quicker to make the car think it's getting the same power so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the that's, result that's, of that, yeah. like a fairly similar ET throughout the season then, even when you go to tracks like that? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, they'll vary. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's face it, yeah, they vary, but they don't vary two tenths or nothing like that. I mean, from really good air to really bad air, I mean, you're talking about, you know, and I say really good air, I'm talking about sea level air to 3,800 or 4,000 feet, not even, a, you know, maybe a tenth. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, typically it'd be probably two tenths if you were changing that amount of air roughly or something like that so it's just it's just all about making the biggest thing is to make the car and the tire happy the rest of it will come but it you know like i say i don't know that i can really answer that question perfectly but i mean i just that's just the way i look at it that's that's what i try to do and make the car make the car and the tire happy and you know it's a little different than running like a a pro mod car so to speak i mean you want a pro mod car is really like on tires on fire and all that stuff and i'm i'm kind of that way but not a hundred percent i try to if you do that you're going to get a lot of inconsistency with track temperature track temperature is really critical in these cars like you go from 100 degree track to 130 degree track it's huge so to make to figure out how to make it stay within its means within a 30 degree or 40 degree track temperature swing is is the key in my opinion when you're going you know mid six seconds if you're going like you know slower 720s or 17s or something like that it's not as critical but it still plays a role but but anyhow that's just kind of the way i approach things yeah from the outside looking in it it's very impressive i'll give you that much i read today <laughs> from from someone who should know um i was actually reading something from don o'neill 
his quote was something to the effect of that you are now the winningest driver in top sportsman history, NHRA, IHRA combined. And I guess like top sportsman doesn't have the history of stock super stock, but you're a young right. guy. Like that is an impressive title. How do you respond to hearing that you're the most successful driver in the history of your class? Well, I mean, I mean, I, you know, I didn't know that for a fact. I mean, I, I knew just from honestly the last race in Norwalk where I was in the final and looking back at the deal, Brian Lowen said, you know, I was the winningest driver at the time with five national and I knew you were talking about national wise, but I didn't know when it's back to divisional or whatever. And definitely didn't know about IHRA because IHRA just runs top sports forever. But I, I mean, that's how could it not be flattering to know that? I mean, that's, you know, awesome in itself. But I don't know, man. I just, yeah, you know how it is. You win, you win your share by far. And I don't know. It's just, it's, you work hard and you, you know, be disciplined and I don't know, it just pays off. Sometimes it pays off, sometimes it don't. But <laughs> it's flattering to say the least to, to you know, to, for that to be the case. That is definitely quite the accomplishment. Jeffrey, what, I mean, again, I know you don't want to talk about having things wrapped up, but seemingly with the championship in hand, what what's your plans for the rest of 17? I know you got some big stuff happening at the house, but. Well, you know, and, my my whole deal was is I was I wanted to go to Pika. Of course, I don't leave, and you guys don't either. I don't leave the house to not win. I go to win. Right. And my, you know, my goal was I'm going to Pika. I'm winning both races. Of course, you know the chances that happen. You're normally not very good. You might do well, or whatever. But I said, you know, if I do that, I can chill out for the next few months, and we can get the baby here and get all that settled and everything. And then I got a few races in October I can go to, and you know, after the baby's born and all that good stuff, and you know, if I need to gain some points, I got a first rounder to drop divisional, so I got three three divisionals left. Just so happens there's uh, Reynolds and the St. Louis race, and then Rockingham, so that kind of lays out perfect. So that was my thought. I'd love to go to Bowling Green, but it's going to be too close to to do to do that. But I haven't totally ruled out going to Indy next week. Obviously, can't can't run the first race, but possibly the second race. I'm not sure yet. I just one of those deals I just I don't know like I feel like I'm I'm feeling good the car's good I just want to go race but I'm not <laughs> sure I just have to see how, I just have, have to see how things go here but uh you know you know how it is like you feel like you're on a roll and you, just everything's going your way but my luck I go up there and something will fall off the car or something yeah first round or something but who knows <laughs> <laughs> you've obviously been dominant within the, the top sportsman category Jeffrey but we got to know is there any ambition beyond that that category do you do you aspire to to get in another one you know i would love to run a pro national car or pro mod and i'll be dead on so you you know my deal is is i know it's not really something for me to do as a for a living and i think it's something that may come in years time but right now I'm, i'll be honest with you i'm really content with my racing career as far as what I'm doing, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And as far as my job and home life and all that stuff. So I, I can't really be gone enough to dedicate my time, especially money to running something like that, but I'm not ruling it out. I mean, if the opportunity came along for sure, you know, I would, but there again, it'd have to, it would have to work with obviously my work schedule and all that good stuff. But also, and you, you two guys may know because we're, you might see some stuff on Facebook, but I, I run a grudge car as well for a good friend of mine. 
and uh, that's been really fun. But it's very similar to a pro-nitrous car, so to speak. It's got the same drivetrain in it, of course, on a drag radial, so it's, the setup's different. But I tell you, man, that heads-up stuff's fun. That's fun, and then betting the money and all that stuff flying everywhere. It's, it's a hoot. So, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe. I mean, you know, it would definitely be in a pro mod car if it was going to be. If you want to call it the next step, for sure. And, and I, you know, I understand as far as tuning one and all that good stuff. I'm not saying you can give me one and I can go make it real fast. Uh, I mean, but. I, I that that's that's what I enjoy. That's the biggest thing I enjoy about running top sportsman and Lindsay running top dragster and messing with this grudge car and pro mod stuff is the tuning aspect and making one go fast. Um we were in Norwalk and John Taylor had to uh he was, you know, close to not qualifying and we knew this before going into Norwalk after Bristol and I helped him a little bit, you know, he'd never run his truck on nitrous and all that stuff. And, and he qualified and you know, it went, I don't remember what it ran, 710 or something like that. And he was just so happy. Everything was perfect. And I mean, it was just, he just, just to see him smiling, really cool. Um, and then another thing this past weekend, John Biaggi, I guess that's how you say it, one of Nick Folk's buddies, he's got a, I think like a Horton car with a 632 remorse motor in it. He like six fifty something's having problems with shaking the tires and said, "Get come on." They come down to me. He's like, "Man, we need we need your help." And I'm like, "I've never even seen the car. I've never even seen the car. I don't even. I mean, I don't know what to do." And he kind of showed me a race pack run, and I'm like, "I don't know." So I kind of threw some stuff in it, and next thing you know, he goes six forty or six forty two or something like that, and carried the wheels two hundred feet, the front tire smoked when it come down, and he qualified. And it was like he thought I was just the coolest thing ever. It, I mean, I, that's the kind of stuff I like. You know, that's that was really cool. That is awesome. So, anyway. Jeffrey, we always try to finish up these uh, interviews with a little bit of rapid fire. So, just kind of quick questions. They're more fun. They're not always racing related. Simple answers, one <laughs> word, short answers. You, you up for it? Absolutely. All right. Um, this kind of stems from we had Dan Fletcher on a couple of weeks ago after he won number 100. And Dan told us that he's subject to drive from New York to Denver and never turn the radio on. We thought that was strange. So our question for you, seeing as you just spent a lot of time on the road, what did you have coming through the speakers on the way to or from Topeka? Uh, I had on, this is when he said that I had a serious radio on. I don't even have subscription. The preview radio said the same thing over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding me, right? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I get sidetracked sometimes. I'm like, man, I'm tired of hearing that. The next thing you I want some noise. I turn it back up, and it's like, really? So anyway, then someone will call me, and next, you know, you know, that's pretty much the way it went. Oh my goodness, that doesn't seem possible. Jeffrey, uh, what do you do? There might when be you're something not, to right? this, Jed. I think we, I think we need to tone down our radio. Maybe, maybe so. I'm just gonna pull mine out. I'll, I'll turn it on. There's no way I can leave it off. Jeffrey, what do you do when you're not racing? Uh, as far as hobbies go, uh, man, I got a bunch of good buddies around the, around the house that, nah, to be honest with you, like to, you know, we like to cook and go to the lake and river and get in the swimming pool and drink beer and just be good old rednecks, to be honest with you. I mean, um, that's really about it. Yeah, we'll go, we got some, I got some friends, I got a friend that's got a, a free ride that they have on the family's uh, land and they do four, you know, four rides and stuff like that and We'll all go do that and get muddy and just hang out and, you know, live a good life. Sounds good. Turn back the clock a little bit, Jeffrey. When and where did you collect your first event win? 
my first Wally came in 2003 at the Citrus Nationals in Top Sportsman. The Citrus and Nationals? And I ran not Orlando? Citrus Nationals. In, yep, no, it was in uh, West Palm. Okay. Hmm. Yep, West Palm in 03. They used to do it around Thanksgiving. Yep. In 2003, they had a deal down there, and uh, I ran none other than the Ronnie Davis oh, in the wow. final. Oh, cool. And I was driving my, uh, at the time, Marvin Humphreys owned a pro stock truck that I drove. I said, you know, the ex pro stock truck, and it had a, at the time, I had a 565 rear morphing in. I think I was running 760, 770s or something like that. And uh, my dad had, his, had the Camaro that, that Todd Ewing's got now. And uh, we went down there for a Thanksgiving deal, and that's what I used to do. And I think it was Thanksgiving week or weekend or whatever. And uh, that was that was the first Wally that I got was at the Citrus. Mm, that's cool, Jeffrey. Yep. If you if you had to put one of these on in number one slot, would it be love winning or hate losing? Hmm. Number one slot. I yep. hate losing. Yeah, that's a winner. <laughs> I right hate losing. I know it's something you probably don't want to talk about. I'm going to put you on the spot. I know it's not mathematically over, but if you didn't leave home until November, would you leave to go to the banquet? Is it over? Are you going to be the champ? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) You know, I'm one of those guys where I feel like, you know, I've had, had, you know, God knows how many calls saying, oh, you've got it, it's locked up. Well, the the odds are pretty good, for sure. But, it's not until it's mathematically over. I just, I mean, you know, there's a few guys chasing me. I can tell you what, Sandy's chasing me, and Sandy is, he has got just as much drive as I do. I know because me and him are buddies, and he's going to Columbus this weekend, and he's trying to wear me out. I know he is, and I, and I, we, I wouldn't have it any other way. But at yeah. the end of the day, like your your question, I mean. Yeah, I just go to the banquet. <laughs> but, but I think so too. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx myself. But last year but beyond like comp eliminator or top alcohol no i don't think so i got well, you I got jeffrey you. just start now start slipping a little stop leak in Lindsay's food 
and tell her you go to Charlotte. <laughs> At all. Well, I was hoping that. I was hoping maybe maybe come like into August, and then she, and after a couple of weeks go by, everything be okay. Then we'll just all go to Charlotte and yeah, have us a good time. Hey, my son yeah. came three weeks early. There's hope. Yep. Oh yeah. Well, I think what's well, got and seriously, I think if, if if she comes in August, then that's one less year we got to wait and put her in school. So you know. Everything's, everything's good. <laughs> awesome. So. Jeffrey, thank you for coming on with us, man. We had a blast. And, Absolutely. Uh, enjoyed it, bud. Yeah, thanks a lot. Good deal. Yeah, it was great, man. I, I appreciate y'all having me on. All right, Jeffrey, good luck the rest of the way, and good luck to you and Lindsay on the birth of that, that newborn. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Racing RVs is heavily involved in sportsman drag racing. They headline the NHRA Top Dragster and Top Sportsman Series. They sponsor all of the SFG Promotions events, including the World Series of Bracket Racing, the Super Bowl of Bracket Racing, and the Powerball event. Racing RV sponsors racers including Austin Williams, Disco Dean Carnes, and our own Luke Bogacki. And they present this podcast that you're listening to. In short, Racing RVs is invested in sportsman drag racing. So when the time comes for you to make an investment in your own RV or trailer, we encourage you to support the company that supports Sportsman Drag Racing. That's Racing RVs. They do it all. New coaches, used units, financing, trade-ins, consignments, you name it, they can take care of you. Visit online at RacingRVs.com. In addition to Racing RVs, this week's podcast is presented in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. This Is Bracket Racing Elite is an exclusive group of racers with whom I work individually on all facets of drag racing. And typically, Jed, I've got these um, advertising reads like typed out. We just read them. Mm -hmm. Listeners may or may not be able to tell. Um, This week, I'm winging it completely because last week was huge for... This is Bragger Racing Elite. We had winners all over the country, and these guys, I'm just so freaking proud. I got to talk about it. You Um, should be. It it was really cool, especially kind of being removed from racing on our little trip to seem like every time I opened up Facebook, it was, I was reading about one of our other uh, members having success. The headline was Evan Kowalski got uh, the Super Gas win in Sonoma, his first national event win. Super happy for Evan. Brandon Fannensteel put on a show with the Ten Granders in Ardmore. We'll talk about that later in the show. But uh, he was had two entries in at seven. Uh, ended up going to the runner-up spot with one of them in a Ten Grander. Plus, just on a local level, Ellis Booth got a sportsman win at, at um, Coles County up here in Illinois. Um, one of our members, John Long Jr., won a super pro race, foot-breaking, down at Temple in Texas. Um, one of our members, Jesse Smith, got a, a super comp association win up at uh, central Illinois and we just had a bevy of racers that advanced deep into eliminations at various events all across the country big events um, like I say on my end it was just really fun to watch and to keep up with so kudos to all of our elite members and if you listeners out there if this sounds like something that you would like to be involved with it's a really cool program that is difficult to describe but I, I guarantee you you would enjoy it and feel like you got your money's worth you can check it out at thisisbracketracing.com to click on the link for this is bracket racing elite you want to make it in a song to do the justin lamb win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam you do the kevin brandon lay the smack across the land then you do the l ride and you come out like the world champ. all right luke so we want to review the weekend you know we'll we'll breeze through some results here but First, we want to start out with the the national event in Sonoma, in HRA National. There had uh, 
some guys that are uh, having a good year already, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that as we move along. But top dragster, uh, Paul Nero got the win over F Havens, and that's EFF. That's a pretty cool name. That'd be a top ten in in my book every time. Uh, top sportsman was Bart Smith over Keith White. And Super Comp Bal Torres Jr. continues on a hot streak. He's uh, had a getting the season. He has, doing extremely well. Got the win over another guy that's performing well this year, Ryan McClanahan. And I know you uh, you had some notes there about Ryan. Yeah, did you happen to see his box score? I believe up until the final, his worst light was nine. And you know what they say, like, this is more of an eighth-mile bracket race mentality, but when you let go, oh, you're supposed to win? And when you don't, you're not? Yeah. I don't know that that necessarily <laughs> applies to Super Comp, but that's the way it fell for Ryan McClendon. He's double O every round, one till the final. He's 14. Not that 14's bad. You're not double O, you don't win. Yeah, and I, I crunched <laughs> some numbers real quick, and the 14 that he had pushed his average from a double O four to a double O six. So <laughs> it was really strong performance there for Ryan. Uh, come up a little short. Val was impressive, too. He had an eighth out window, rounds one through five. It was 14 to 22. And you don't know if he bowed up or just rolled a little out, but goes double oh one in the final. So great job by him. And if he paid any attention to uh, Ryan's box score, he may have rolled some out. And, Jed, let's be real honest here. You can take all the credit you want for those calculations. Those came yeah. from Mark. Our listeners know that those came from Mark. You don't have to take credit for that. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> uh, the aforementioned uh, Evan Kowalski uh, getting the win in Super Gas over Chris Cannon. Um, Evan, uh, uh, this is Bracket Racing Elite member, guy I'm sure you're very familiar with. Great to see that happen for him. In Super Stock. Chris Borges got the win over Matt Blodgett, and I, I remember Matt having a really strong box score himself. I'm in Super Street. I'm sorry. I said Super Stock. That was Super Street. Super Stock was uh, uh, an all-star final. Jody Lang getting the win over Justin Lamb, and I know who Lamb's team member is. So. That's right. That's right. Yeah, two guys that you are never surprised to see in the final round, both really impressive throughout eliminations. Again, kind of to be expected. And I will talk a little bit more about both of those guys as we kind of wrap up this segment um, with a focus on the NHRA point standings because this was a big final uh, and a big event for both of them. Beverly improved, uh, improved their odds in Superstock. Yeah, and both of those guys quickly, uh, Jody Lang had an 012 average, uh, and Lamb had an 014 average. So really strong off the bottom bulb, which you'd expect out of those two talented racers. Thanks again, uh, Mark. Stock, thank you, Mark. Stock was <laughs> Brian McClanahan over Dwayne Sheetland. Careful uh, with that one. Yeah, but yeah, we may have to put uh, explicit lyrics on this one. But um, McClanahan had a, a 10 thou window over six runs. No better than 10, no worse than 20. So really strong performance in the stalker for him. Sounds like Team McClanahan is at the practice tree out down there. Yeah, those boys don't stink for yeah, sure. Yeah, that was uh, Team Porter tree out there. That's impressive. Uh, double divisional happened at Topeka, as uh, you mentioned earlier. Numbers races number three and four on their division schedule. Yeah, in a, a big swing, like obviously when you have two division races in one weekend, um, particularly, well, I guess Supercomp was the only class. Supercomp had 150 cars here. So it's an eight-round race. You don't get many of those throughout, wow. the, throughout the season. And just case in point, this event last year was really the springboard for Nick Folk to capture the championship. He won both of those eight-round races in 2016. Yeah. 
Um, I think that and the closer at Reynolds were the actual, the only wins that he had of the year. Uh, had a couple runner-ups, obviously strong finishes throughout, but that race was the catalyst for his championship run. Uh, we may look back on this weekend's event um, similarly, I think without question, we will in top sportsman. Um, we talked with Jeffrey Barker earlier, um, ran the table in Topeka a long way from home, uh, went out there, got the job done. He was the favorite to win the top sportsman world championship going in. I think now, like we talked about with him, it's basically a foregone conclusion, um, mm. in August as we record this. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jeffrey Barker run the table. Paris top sports and wins as impressive as ever. And then conversely, um, I just talked about Nick Folk and, and, um, how this event was the springboard for his championship last year. The, uh, the guy on the wrong end of that was Austin Williams, one that we've talked about before. And it's funny how he, the, the event at Topeka of all things, cost Austin the championship. He, Austin Williams owns Topeka as we've discussed on the podcast before this weekend, although he didn't walk away from, uh, Kansas with a Wally had as good a weekend as you can have without winning one um, back-to-back runner-ups in super comp for Austin team Jed. Um, yep. And again, we'll talk a little bit more about points later, but this, um, I don't necessarily, I'd say put them in the driver's seat for the super comp championship. Super comp is going to be a dogfight. It is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but Austin, it took over the national lead that, um, that Labuse has held all season and is really in good position to improve monumentally from that. Like he should put up a monster score. Yeah. It's a really strong performance from him again in super comp. So go team Jed. And speaking of team Jed, uh, Ray Ray gets the win in super gas over Kevin Moore. And Luke, that's, that's no easy trip for Ray Ray. So no, he's, uh, he must way. be, yeah, he must have plans. I mean, that's a, it's a pretty serious trip for him. Yeah, that win for him in Supergas gives him a shot. Like, I'm not ready to say anybody but John LaBoose Jr. is going to win the Supergas World Championship. Like, he's still the odds-on favorite. Um, Ray Ray not only won, I think he advanced to fourth or fifth round in the second race. So, good weekend uh, in Supergas. But, man, there's a lot of meat on the bone for anybody that is going to get up there in the same stratosphere as Little John has posted already. And he's going to improve. But one that really um, jumped out to me over the weekend was um, Chris Cannon, who was the runner-up to Evan at, um, at Sonoma. I'll yeah. pull this up and we'll just talk about Supergas now and, and revert back to some of the other classes later. Like, Cannon's been to five or six races and been in like four finals. Um, again, like, I'm not ready at this point to say that anybody is a threat to John LaBouche, but I guarantee you, if LaBouche just scrolled through the point sheet today, he went, what the? Like, <laughs> where's this coming from? Um, because it, to this point, it's I don't know how you can do this quietly, but I hadn't taken notice of this. Coming into Sonoma, Chris Cannon had won three Division Six events, all of them 105-point tallies. Now with the runner-up in Sonoma, I, I'm looking at his score right now. He's been to six events. He's got a first-round loss, a second-round loss, three wins and a runner-up. Um. Now, the, with what Little John is putting up, he's basically going to have to duplicate that performance again, Cannon is. Like, you pretty much need maybe two or three more wins. But yeah. he's in position to do it. Uh, it would be crazy. Like, I think somebody's going to put up 700 in Supergas, which is not unheard of, but not common. Um, somebody might put up 700 and finish second. 
Wow, that would be amazing. And you called it. You said, guys, you know, don't don't count it yet because there's still a lot of racing left. And you said this, it always seems to change a bunch right here mid-year. And it was a great call on your part because it is happening. Yeah, and it looks like at this point the, the, the guy most likely to make a run, Chris Cannon. It's impressive to this point, without question. Yep, no doubt. Back to Topeka's Saturday event. Super Street was Brian Percival over Tony Jones. Superstock Kevin Helms, Team Jed, over Greg Stanfield, pro, former pro stock racer. And stock, our good buddy and Team Luke, Jeff Strickland. Lil Strick gets the win over Tim Ames. Uh, Strick laid down a perfect react in the final. Friend of the podcast, Podcast Bump. Yep, Podcast Bump is really good for him. Mm-hmm. So we move into Sunday. And speaking of Jeff Strickland, he uh, is Team Jed in the top dragster category. And come up with a runner-up to Phil Unruh. Phil getting another big win there out that way. Typical of him. Top sportsman, (laughs) Jeffrey Barker. Team Luke. I mean, this guy is a runaway train right now. Getting a win over Terry Pope. And Super Comp, Jeremy Smith gets by Austin Williams, as we mentioned. He owns Topeka with runner-ups both days. Super Gas was Robert Coleman over Heidi Robison. Super Street was Brent Thornton over Randy Davin. And Super Stock was Chris Cheney, longtime very successful racer, with a win over Matthew Lund. And Stock was our good buddy, Jeff Lopez, Lopez Motorsports, over Chris Knudsen. So great, great job by all those guys and gals. Yeah, congrats to the original Tex Mex. <laughs> Uh, so in a little bracket racing now yeah in addition to the nhra action uh let's go to pittsburgh first um is that keystone raceway it is keystone raceway for the third annual cars protection plus 660 top bulb nationals um what uh i didn't i i saw some basic results jed you got a recap what happened up in pittsburgh yeah, uh, three ten granders on the weekend uh, just a friday saturday sunday event friday got I think in the round two sometime, Luke, when uh, they got some rain. And um, according to uh, – this is our assistant, Mark Romeo's home facility. So he's very in tune to what's happening there. And he, he made special mention in the notes about how hard the, the staff worked there at Pittsburgh Raceway Park – or excuse me, Keystone Raceway Park to get the uh, all the racing done and had some challenges, but uh, he said, man, they, they really stepped up and, and worked hard, and they had to shorten Friday's program and move the rest of that into Saturday, but the eventual winner was Chris Bear. Um, Chris getting the win uh, there on Friday's race in Saturday, actually, over Mark Brewer. A uh, couple of guys that are familiar with the winter circle, especially in that part of the country. Saturday's racing actually happened first Sunday or Friday was wrapped up post Saturday's race. And uh, Saturday's winner was Dennis Rock, which would be a top 10 name every time on my list and got the win over Connor uh, Grisez. Um, and I don't, there's no way I got that right. G-R-I-S-E-Z. But uh, good, good job by those guys. And Sunday wrapped it up with, a guy you know, a skirt, Luke. We talked about him early, early in the show. Yeah, yeah, way back in the original podcast. It's actually a guy that I never knew as Skirt. Um, yeah, and but you do now. Skirt, skirt. I'm like, who's Skirt? <laughs> but we, we got it now. Justin Vickers, Skirt. 
10 grand richer <laughs> on the weekend. Uh, skirt knocked off Andy Conrath in the final of Sunday's event uh, up there at Keystone. Looked like a uh, close on the starting line. Uh, 11 thousandths closer to the dial-in for Mr. Vickers. Um, it's, I, from what I understand, this is a back-to-back repeat performance for Skirt. Uh, he also won the Sunday finale at this event in 2016. So congrats to him. Yeah, and Keystone Raceway Park. It's, uh, those guys don't get enough big events up through there, and they're really working hard to give the racers great event. And by all the, the news I've gotten, um, everybody had a wonderful time. All the racers really enjoyed it, and the staff performed at a very high level for them. So congrats to, to Greg Miller and those guys up there at Keystone. Awesome. Always good to see racetracks independently putting on big events that are successful. You know what I mean? It's one thing for uh, yes promoters to come in and do it, but I really think that the racetracks doing it are really the lifeblood of bracket racing and, and big dollar racing to some extent. So it's always good to see. Great point. And uh, speaking of big bracket racing, we move out to Ardmore to the Oklahoma Summer Nats. Uh, I know Cody Pollage and Johnny Ezell both have a hand in this, and I assume they work closely with the with the Ardmore staff. But uh, those guys that like they had a good event too. Had a little warm up race on Friday, um, twenty five hundred to win race where Chad Sandlin, getting back to his winning ways, gets the win over Corey Brown. This was a this was a race where you could top bulb, but Chad was swapping feet and uh, got the big win over Corey Brown there to to warm things up on Friday. Always impressive. Yes, it is. Saturday was uh, 10 grander. Um, Luke, you may have to help me with this, but it looks yeah. like Greg Tetterall. Tetro, I believe is how you say that. And that is a name from the past, Jed. I don't know if you remember Greg Tetrault. Je- Greg owned the car that Stephen Hughes won the million dollar race in some oh, 20 years ago. Um, I did not know that. Just It can't be 20 years ago. I'm not that old. Close to it. 15 years ago, probably. Um, yeah. And... Um, yeah, and Greg was a guy I raced with a lot growing up, and then I think uh, business commitments, maybe family commitments took over. To the best of my knowledge, he got completely out of racing for uh, quite some time, and that's a name that I hadn't heard in 10 years. And when was he resurfaced? Winning a 10-grander. So, pretty cool. Congrats to Greg. Well, he got by a name you have heard quite a bit, and that's Brandon Fannin still. Um, he was, Brandon was doubled at five, and then... Ended up getting the runner-up spot. He's a this is bracket racing elite member, as as you said earlier in the in the segment the the plug, if you will. So uh, great job by those guys and Brandon, just continuing another phenomenal year for him. Early. Yeah, I was texting back and forth with Brandon, and told him you just need to concentrate on racing in Oklahoma. Um, it was <laughs> earlier this year at the uh, the big bottom ball race at Noble that uh, he won two of the three days, if I'm not mistaken. And, and that's nothing against Brandon. Like he wins everywhere. Um, but where he's at the, his local track, I think is or the closest track to him. He told me one time that he's like equidistance from, I think great Bend, Kansas, Pueblo, Colorado, and Amarillo, Texas. If, if you can put all of that together, which doesn't sound wow. close to anything. To no, no. <laughs> consistent winner at those facilities, but on the national stage, we don't hear too much about those facilities. So um, when he gets the opportunity to compete on the bigger stage, he's obviously been making the most of it in 2017. So congrats to him. Yes, he has. That's a, that's a hotbed for racing. A lot of tough racers out there. This guy's mowing through some talented people. And they had a $3,000 to win foot brake race where a couple of my buds, um, 
World Footbrake Challenge and Southern Footbrake Challenge supporters, Jake Howard gets the win over Brian Nelson. So great to see Jake. I think he was in uh, Sandlin's Love Machine, little love truck, and that is Machine, M-A-C-H-E-E-N. I love that name. That's the coolest name on a vehicle ever. But. The love was getting some love over the weekend. Then. That's love was getting some love. So good job by Jake and Brian. And Super Pro was the, the big day for the, I mean, uh, Sunday was the big day for Super Pro guys. They had a shootout, $15,000 shootout, where former $50,000 winner at the Great American Bracket Race, Tad Gates, got to win over Christopher Snyder. It's a nice $15,000 shootout win for him. And foot break was a $2,500 shootout on Sunday. And actually, that might have been Saturday night. I'm not sure. But nonetheless, again, another supporter of the events that Steve and I do, Dustin Abendet out of Missouri. Gets the win over Kevin Martin. So good to see Dustin getting uh, getting his name on the big check. Yeah, and Kevin Martin, one that I left out of the, the plug earlier. That's another This Is Bracket Racing Elite member. So congrats oh. to both of those guys. Wow, Elite's having great, had a great weekend. Sunday wrapped up with a 5K in Super Pro, where Perry Como got the win over Amber Rose Smith. And Footbreak had a $3,000 wrap-up, where Kevin Grider got the win over another guy that has come to a few events that we've done, Drew Porsche, out of, uh, I believe, Drew's round, down around the Houston area, if I remember correctly. Very good, very good. Well, I said we would circle back a little bit, and I, I don't, I won't claim to have done a ton of homework here, but I was trying to keep up with things over the weekend, and and the events in Sonoma and Topeka, like I mentioned earlier, had a significant impact on the NHRA points chase. And I know this is a fluid thing, like it's it's going to change week to week, um, but it's just. I don't know if you get into following this stuff, it's exciting even now in, in, in August because it changes so much and you can kind of predict the future. You can look and say, well, this guy's done really well, but he's got a bunch of races left and he could get hot, but he could fall on his face. Um, it's exciting for me to keep up with. So we talked a little bit about super gas. Um, the top dragster chase I think is riveting just because Honestly, Jed, at this point, your guess is as good as mine. And all of our listeners, your guesses are as good as ours. Somebody's going to win the Top Dragster World Championship. And yep. it could be like literally any of 40 racers at this point. No one, there's been a ton of racers that have done well. Nobody's really stood out. And certainly nobody's run away with it at this point. At the top of the standings, you got KB, um, who looked probably better coming into Topeka than he did leaving. Had a rough weekend there, made the drive all the way over to Topeka. Didn't didn't do much to improve his standing. Um, we talked about Jeff Strickland getting a runner-up. He's right up there with KB in the points, but again, neither of their totals look insurmountable. J.R. Baxter's up there after a win Saturday out there. Mark Jones is in the mix. Mallory Rogers is in the mix. Ross Larice is in the mix. And again, you could probably name off 20 more drivers. Um, I always like to look down the list a little bit to see a dark horse. Um, and I don't know that this is necessarily a dark horse. We talked about Deborah DiGenova on one of our previous episodes. Mm -hmm. This is another one that kind of slid by me as to what she's put up to this point. Now, I realize that from Derry, New Hampshire, like it's a long way to anywhere. So logistically, she may not be able to chase this. But to this point, she's been to four events. She has two wins and a runner-up. Mm. Yeah, it's sitting like 20-something in the world. And again, like this is a season where if she could make enough races and string together a couple of more, um, 
she could win this thing. Uh, I don't want to say easily, nothing's easy, but, uh, the races that she's been to with the exception of Charlotte have been in her backyard, so to speak. Um, so I don't know how much she'd be willing to venture out, but she's got a shot at this. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, as you said, it'd be difficult from where she is, but, uh, that family is, uh, is hard charger. So if they decide they want to chase after it, it, it could get very interesting. But over in top sportsman, Luke, uh, yeah. our man, Jeffrey Parker, actually your man. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, he was willing to say this in the interview, but I will. It's over. It's over. <laughs> Jeffrey it's Barker. called. It's over. It's in August, okay? And leaving Topeka, Jeffrey Barker has 665 points. 665 oh should win any category, much less a category where you only get to win five rounds at a time. That's what you do in top sportsman. Um, we talked about it earlier with him. The 665 points is the most ever in the history of top sportsman. Now, granted, that's only been going on for three years. Um, but it eclipsed the mark set by Jeffrey Barker two years ago. Um, and he's got races left. Um, we talked about this earlier, but you only get to claim eight races. Um, for points for an entire national championship to date. And did I mention it's August? Jeffrey Barker <laughs> has six wins and one runner up. Um, <laughs> I, no, I, I'm with all due respect to, to Ed Olpin, to Jeff Brooks, to Sandy Wilkins. Nobody's getting over that. Like it's, it's, it's almost no. perfect. So um, I'll just say a, a preemptive congratulations to Jeffrey Barker. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, if you if you win every race you go to, you're going to win the championship. So that's uh, Jeffrey's doing it the the way you need to do it. So. Yeah, yeah. On paper, like if I just drew it up and said, "Well, I'll go to these eight and I'll win those," <laughs> that's pretty much the way it's going down. Super Comp, I think, is maybe the most intriguing class. Not just because of how many drivers have a legitimate shot, but like who those drivers are and the credentials that they bring to the table. As I kind of suspected, and I think mentioned on the show a few weeks back, it appears more obvious now when you look at the point sheet, because the guys I thought would be up there once they went to enough races are now like four of the top five, but it appears to be essentially a four horse race. And as I mentioned earlier, what a group of horses you've got. Yeah. With the double runner-up, Austin Williams is now in the lead. That is Team Jed. Go Jed. Hey. Um, and and overtook John LaBoost Jr., who's basically led it all season to this point. Um, they're actually in similar positions. I would say Austin's ceiling is a little bit higher uh, at this point. They're, they're less than a round apart, I believe. Um, and like I say, Austin probably has more opportunity to gain ground, but John's got opportunity to gain ground too. Neither one of them is going to stay at 600 where they're at right now. Like they're going to be, I would venture to guess north of 650, both of them. Um, and then the other two in that four horse race are just a couple of guys you may never heard of. Um, <laughs> Gary Stinnett, four time NHRA world champion and defending super comp world champion, Nick Folk. And um, those guys, like I say, over the weekend moved up to fourth and fifth, respectively, but they're both short races. Um, Stinnett still has one national event to claim full. Nick still has two points meets to claim full. Um, again, like, I I wouldn't even say it wouldn't surprise me. Like, I expect each of those four to crest 650, and usually when you crest 650, you win. Um, so... <laughs> It's going to be a dogfight, especially yeah, very interesting. those guys. Um, 
and then beyond them like and you hate to just overlook anybody but like those names are so prominent like you expect them to do well but if you go down the list a little bit there's some other racers with um an opportunity to get there like there's some work to do and and i'm so confident that those guys will put up massive scores that i would be hesitant to pick anyone else but you look down the list and like jeremy deemers is putting up a score he's he's going to be up in that mix um mark graham who was one that defeated uh austin in the first final of the weekend at topeka Mm -hmm. he's now got two wins um he could make a run at it but like i say it it looks on paper like those four are going to decide this and that's going to be an entertaining battle luke um there's another guy out there uh that possibly has the the opportunity to put his name in the mix and he's uh he's got a sportsman drag racing podcast that he's uh he's partners oh, on with the guy there okay <laughs> and uh that guy's had a really good performance better probably than he wants to have actually if that's even <laughs> possible because he he told me he's not chasing it but i asked him about going to the 50 and michigan this weekend he said no nah, i'm going to a divisional in columbus which means he's chasing it or at least giving it a look so where do you fit in the mix yeah i'm not gonna commit just yet to uh to chasing um but i will say i've basically made the decision i'm gonna go to columbus and i'm gonna go to bowling green and um the picture will probably be a little bit clearer uh when we leave indy on labor day and who knows at that point it's on one hand it's really ignorant to make a run at it this year because of what I just talked about. Um, not only are minimum of four guys kind of showing out, um, they're four guys that don't suck. Like, <laughs> who you, you really want to get mixed up in this with Austin Williams, John LaBouche, Nick Folk, Gary Stinnett. Um, but on the flip side of that, like, that's exciting. And if you've got yeah. an opportunity to to match up with those guys, even if at the end of the season you don't come out on top, like that sounds like a fun thing to be involved in uh, and an exciting thing to be involved in. And at this point, like I said, at zero desire, uh, zero um, um, drive to, to chase the championship this year. I said, it's going to be so much fun. I'm going to go to a handful of national events and some big bracket races, and I'm not going to go to any points meets. So the one exception being – Las Vegas early in the year, and I was going to run top dragster there, but it was obvious after the first session I couldn't qualify, so I had to run Supercom. Um, <laughs> but at this point, um, I mean, you only get to claim three national events. I have two wins and a runner-up. so I, mm, Pretty strong. Yeah, I feel like at some point you may look back on that and say, what if? Um, so, yeah, like I say, not committing to much, but uh, I'll go to two races. We'll see what happens. So. I'm looking forward to seeing where you fit in the mix. Moving over to Super Gas is... Uh, is the John LaBoose Jr. show. Yeah, um, we talked about that earlier. That's all LaBoose all the time. Chris Cannon making a run. Ray Ray, big weekend. But um, I would say if uh, if you're a betting man, I think LaBoose is still a pretty safe bet at this point. Um, <laughs> Superstock, when we did the last half of our NHRA championship draft, Jed, um, neither of us picked Jody Lang because at that point, he was a guy that could make a run, hadn't been to many races, had some decent finishes, um, but wasn't really on the radar. In And that was, what, five weeks ago? Um, yeah. In the week since, he went and won a points meet at Seattle. And last weekend, as we mentioned earlier, uh, he won a national event in Sonoma. And suddenly, he's leading the national championship chase with a strong score. Um 
like we had talked about before, the, the disadvantage that you face in Division 6 is you run some short round races. So he's got a couple of 95-point wins, which could hurt, but they're still wins. You know, All you can do is beat the people that are in front of you. Um, yep. To this point, Sonoma marked his third win in Superstock. He's got a runner-up to go with it. Um, he and David Rampey are atop the standings with real similar resumes to this point. Um, I wouldn't give one of them the edge. Jody's a half a round ahead now. They both have some races left, both improving about the same things. Um, so that's undrafted Jody Lang versus Team Jed's David Rampey. So I guess just from that instance, go Jody. Um, <laughs> Helms got a win in Topeka. You didn't just say that. <laughs> Helms is one that, uh, that Kevin McKenna shamed you into picking up on your team. Um, but even after the W in Topeka, um, Kevin's just got like two or three races left. He's a long shot. I think he'd almost have to run the table. Um, and then if you look a little bit deeper down the ledger, Justin Lamb after the runner up, um, Kent Hanley, who are both members of team loop, they have a shot. A lot of races left would have to get hot. Um, Brian Warner has a shot. Pete Diagnolo has a good looking score. Um, but he's got a real good looking score in IHRA too. And there's only so many weekends left of the year. So I don't know if a ch an NHRA charge is necessarily in the cards, but just looking on paper, he's certainly got a chance. Yeah, it's a, it's going to be a very interesting race. See how that one shakes out. And another one that's going to be fun to watch is, is stock always. Seems like the stockers have a, somebody has a late charge, but yeah. Kevin Helms is a team loop guy. He's, he's looking strong right now. We talked about Kevin last week after his win at Denver and yeah. how that solidifies his position. And he's right around 650, maybe north of 650. I can bring that up so I'm not lying. Um, that's a 645 right now with still four races to go. Um, he's going to put up a massive score. I'm hesitant to say that it's safe just yet. Um, Jerry Emmons is showing out. Jerry Emmons is, is got races yet to go and has put up an impressive score to this point. He is a little over a hundred points behind, but still has a division race to claim full and a first rounder to throw out. So when Jerry looks at his score, I think he'd wish he could turn some of these semis and runner ups into wins and the way that Helms is going, that may end up costing him. Um, but that's not over by any stretch. And then you look just a little bit further down the sheet and Brett Candies has, um, two wins, three wins, um, putting up a solid score and has only been to one national event. He's got two wins and runner up. Um, so he can make a run at this Cooter, who we talked about a good bit. Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. is another one kind of like KB, like his chances look better coming into Topeka than leaving. He was there for both races. Didn't yeah. really improve on his score. Could still do it, but it would almost be a, a not necessarily run the table, but he'd have to get super hot. So um, I think Helms is the favorite there, but um, like I say, there's some racers that are going to make that interesting too, I, I trust. Well, a really cool look at the uh, perspective that you have on the points and a uh, guy that looks at it heavily and dives deep into it, trying to see how the scenarios play out. So that was, uh, that was a lot of fun to go through and should be a lot of fun to watch here in the last uh, three months or so of the season. I hope our listeners get into that because I obviously get into that. And we'll probably do that again. At some point in the coming weeks, we will also spend some time on the IHRA point sheet, points chase because we've neglected that to this point and it's every bit as interesting. So in one of the next two, three episodes, we'll kind of take a deep dive and basically dedicate the whole episode to breaking down the IHRA chase as well. Yeah. 
chasing down a finish line It ain't over till it's over and the line ain't on your side You running out of moves, now he's got you in a bind I get all all right, Luke, let's talk about some All-State Challenge news. Uh, Britt and Galen, this, this thing's getting close. This it is, is getting close. This is September the 8th through the 10th. Yeah, September 8th through the 10th at Memphis. And, you know, it's been talked about. We've hyped it for a while. It's been hyped by those guys. But it's basically here. It, it's time to get serious about this thing. And Galen and Britt just recently did a video on Facebook Live explaining a lot of details we'll talk about shortly. But want to make sure that the team captains are getting those bios submitted. They've been asked to submit bios from all their racers on their respective teams and, you know, the categories that they're running. And we want to encourage teams to get that information in. I know I'm team captain for Alabama. I've sent in a couple, maybe three or four, that my guys have sent. I hadn't got them from my entire team. And that may be what everybody's yeah, I was going to say that may be what everybody's struggling with, but we want to get this thing rolling in the right direction. Now Now is the time, and so get those uh, bios sent in and make sure that we get some information on these guys and make sure everybody knows who's racing for who. Again, the guys had a Facebook Live, Luke, talking about how they're going to pair cars, talking about when they would shoot out, uh, or gamblers race is what they called it, when they would open up, and I believe they opened up now for entries and okay. i had a lot of information in that video super comp all state who's got me did they draw it already who have i got <laughs> I don't, don't think they've done those pairings yet oh but. okay i didn't watch the live video i don't know <laughs> no, i think it, i think it's coming at the event but oh, it's gonna be it man, actually gonna be talk about cool. building up the suspense <laughs> they uh they are going to have basically let's say there's 30 teams so they're going to have double numbered chips so they're going to have two chips with a one two chips with a two all the way to 15 and then they'll have the racers step up and draw them so the two people that get a one is going to race each other and that will continue all the way to 15 okay. a certain color chip is going to determine lane choice who who gets to to pick their lane there won't be flipping and all that stuff based on what i saw in the video so okay. it's going to be really cool you know it'll speed up the program and it's going to be a neat way to get the pairings out That'll be fun to watch, and that's going to be in every category. I know they talked about uh, a lot of different things, but the purse, What I, one of the things I thought was really cool, 100% of what they bring in through the, the all-state entries is going back in the purse. The guys are not keeping a single penny of that. Yeah, that is so, awesome. So if there's uh, 30 states represented, there's 15 grand in the kitty for each class. Yeah, and that's that's going to be really nice uh, five round race for for that kind of money. So, you know, kudos to them for for putting that all back in. Yeah, and the way that I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, Jed, like the not all of that cash necessarily gets paid out for that class. A lot of it goes into the pile for the overall state or team champion. That's going to be a pretty nice prize at the end of it too. That those team members will split up, correct? Yes, absolutely, and. Um, yeah. Uh, so far, the the Alabama team, Alabama Slammers captain, has uh, proposed ten uh, percent of all winnings go to any non-racing captains. Uh, I don't know if that has been accepted yet, but yeah, I wonder how uh, that'll go over. Yeah, I don't think it's going to go over very well, but <laughs> really, it's going to be fun to watch. In addition to the uh, chip drawings for pairings, the utility class, which is probably the tr- class that's most intriguing, I know we've talked about it here, just because of what all those guys are going to be asked to do. There's going to be chips involved there. In addition to pulling pairings, chips will determine whether that specific round of competition is eighth mile or quarter mile. 
and chips will be drawn to determine whether those racers are letting go on the top or hitting the bottom. And like, it's my understanding this will be determined like in the staging lanes. So there's not a lot of prep time for whatever the upcoming round includes. Is that accurate? That is 100% accurate. And um, obviously, if it's a bottom bulb racer as your utility racer, then they, you know, they're welcome to hit the bottom. They obviously don't have to hit the top. And I don't think we have any pure bottom bulbers in there. But if somebody's feeling good and on a roll, then then they're welcome to do that any way they want to. But that class is going to be one of the most interesting due, due to not knowing the distance or top or bottom before you get to the lanes. That's, that's going to be uh, pretty pretty cool to watch. I wish Chad Isley didn't live in the state of Illinois. I'd like to be, and I wish I had a Vega. I'd like to be in the utility <laughs> class. It just sounds fun. But, uh, it I'm, does uh, sound like a good yeah, time. I'm, I'm no match for Chad on that, so we'll stick him in there. I like my team. In addition to, I think we've talked about this before, um, just because that uh, race as a whole, not so necessarily the All-State race, the Great American Bracket race as a whole, stands to have so many more cars than we're used to seeing there over the past, what, eight years they released uh, some additions to the flyer. I don't know if we talked about this before, but third round winners, I believe it's third round winners, correct? Yeah. Third yeah. round winners get yes, paid sir. every day the in the 10 granders and the 50 granders. So deep payback in that yep. race. That's, which, uh, which is a little different, a uh, little, little better program for those guys. And, uh, you know, they're, they've been lower in entry fees uh, last year or two and, and trying to figure out how to get more money in more racers hands. So this is one of the ways they're getting that accomplished. So, just the, the great American bracket race is, is not new. It's been around, as you said, for nine years and just continues to get better and looking forward to, to being a part of it as well as the all state challenge up there, September 8th through the 10th. Yeah. Within the last week, they also, um, released or started taking entries for the 32 car King of Memphis, which is a 32 car shootout for 10 grand. I think that filled up within a day. Yep. Same thing for the uh, out-of-the-gate race, which is a fun race. No time trials Friday morning, 16-car runoff. I think that's full. Just to, We're recording on Tuesday. Just today, I uh, released the dragster race. I started taking entries for it. And I think as of right now, we've got 29 of the 32 spots full. So by the time that you mm. listen to this, that's probably full as well. And lots of just fun stuff um, going on at the event and surrounding the event. If you're following the... All-State Shootout or the Great American Bracket Race on Facebook. It is the Great American $50,000 Bracket Race, I believe, is the Facebook page. Um, yep. They're releasing driver and sponsor highlights daily. A lot of these drive up driver bios are coming up. That will just increase in the next month as we get closer to the event. At the race, Cajun Cookout, FDI Racers Party, Alliance Racewear Golf Cart Race, like that's been a staple of that event for eight years. Like it's a good time in addition to one of the yes. now probably one of the preeminent, predominant, predominant. What's the word I'm looking <laughs> for there, Jeb? One of the biggest American races in the world, right? <laughs> it is awesome. And it's a great vibe. So everybody come on out. You don't have to be in the all state challenge to participate. And, um, you know, we're going to, going to have a great big show up there in Memphis in a month or so. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Each week on the podcast, we try to preview a specific event. I know I've talked about the uh, Racing RVs exclusive 150 in the past, but it's coming up next weekend. So I just wanted to give a brief reminder on that. We actually have several spots available. I would say at this point, I'm fairly confident in saying that we're not going to fill the 150 entry maximum. Right now, I think as we record this, we feel like 116 or 117. So I don't think we're going to get 30 in the next um, six days. 
But regardless, we're going to pay the whole purse. It's a guaranteed purse. We're going to pay out everything on the flyer, just like we said it would, whether we've got 117 cars or 142. It'll be the exclusive 131 or whatever it ends up being. <laughs> That's fine. It's uh, it's 10 grand to win Friday and Sunday. It's 25 grand to win on Saturday. Um, racers that get bounced in round two of Saturday's main event uh, are automatically entered. It's free in a second chance race that'll pay $2,500 to win with a $5,000 total purse. It's going to be a good time. We got a lot of fun stuff going on, Jed, that I know you're familiar with, having been to our door car race and yeah. some of the big events at I 57. We'll have a, a racer's appreciation fish fry that's presented by BTE. We'll have the breakfast carts going through the pits, bringing everybody uh, donuts and coffee and milk in the morning. I think American Race Cars has sponsored that for this event. Ice cream because it's going to be hot. That comes from Drag Race Solutions. All the entrants come up to the tower, get some ice cream at any point throughout the weekend. Like we have a good time in addition to racing for what will be the largest purse in the history of our little home track. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Lou gets crazy to me that that 150 haven't signed up yet. Hopefully there's a last minute rush. But guys, getting this race, you can't imagine how much fun it is. You're going to race in front of a lot of people, more than you've raced at at a pure bracket race. The, the crowd shows up there at I-57. They're into it. They make it fun. The staff is phenomenal. They care about your experience. If you follow my Facebook page, you've seen how well the track works. It tried to flip my car over backwards in <laughs> not good air. Uh, it's ridiculously good. The Pits will hold you. There's only going to be 150 entrance max, so there's plenty of room in the pits. Don't don't worry about parking space. Like you, you know, when Luke fills up the the summer door car shootout, it gets a little tight. But now there's going to be plenty of room for 150 of you. So uh, you're missing out. The track is smooth. It's great. Everything is awesome. The concession stand, get the cheeseburger. It's really good. So. Go to the exclusive 150. Get there any way you can. You, you're you going to miss a great race. I wish I could be there. My car's wrecked, so I can't. <laughs> but uh, I, I wish that uh, I could. So somebody take my spot. And you guys fill this race up. It is going to be a wonderful time. It's going to be a fun weekend. And the one kind of unique thing about our exclusive 150 event is that it is a maximum of 150 cars. Obviously, if we don't have 150, we'll race with what we've got. But one thing that we will stick to is there are no double entries of any kind. Same driver can't drive two cars. Same car can't go down the track twice in a round with different drivers. We'll be, if assuming, let's say that we end up with 131 entries, we'll have 131 different drivers driving 131 different cars. So for all of you, uh, vocal keyboardists out there that say this is the most fair way to do things and all those people that have multiple cars have multiple advantages put your money where your mouth is this is a race for you Jed, that will wrap up episode 37. Thanks to our sponsors. This is Bracket Racing Elite, Racing RVs, Seabrook Performance. Thanks again, Jeffrey Barker, for joining us. That was a fun interview. Some, yes. uh, had some insights on what it takes to go fast and, and I think uh, a little bit of uh, insight as to the drive behind a, a champion, soon to be a two-time champion. I think that's fairly safe to say. As always, thanks to PJ North and to our assistant, Mark Romeo, for their help. Um, if you've got ideas for the show, message us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page or contact Mark directly on Facebook. Again, that's Mark Romeo. We bring this show to you every week of the calendar year. This is episode 37. We should be better at this than we are by now, but I appreciate you guys putting up with it. Um, and, and we'll be back next week to try to do it a little bit better yet. 
Yeah. And guys, uh, be sure to subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Uh, go subscribe. And when you hit the subscribe button, you get alerted every time there's a new show. It comes right to your smart device and you're ready to go. Of course, we're on uh, all the major players, Apple Podcasts, Google Play and Stitcher. So go there and subscribe and be sure to tell your friends. Uh, you know, we're, we're continuing to grow our listener base and we appreciate that. We know that's by you, the listener, spreading the word. So we appreciate you very much and tell more friends and keep telling them to tell their friends and get your track involved. Certainly want to see the tracks play in the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast during downtime, parking time, whatever the case may be. So, you know, we, we think that we can keep the, the crowd entertained somewhat. And certainly the, the things we talk about are uh, topics that they'll be interested in. So get your track involved. And when you do, let us know about it. And we will be sure to give them a shout out here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. And join our Facebook community, Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast on Facebook. Or you can touch base with us on Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. And I am at JP11X. Uh, reach out and touch us on Facebook or Twitter and make sure uh, you let us know what you like about the show and what you don't like about the show. And like Luke said, if you got ideas, get them to Mark Romeo and we'll uh, hopefully get them involved in the show soon. That's it, guys. We appreciate you very much. And uh, Luke, hope you have a great trip to uh, Columbus and Good luck to you. Um, I don't know if that means I hope you win or lose, but either way, good luck to you. One one extreme or the other would make the the decisions from there much easier. I agree. So, if it, right. to everybody that's racing this weekend, good luck, safe travels, and uh, we will see you guys next week. See you guys. Up next is the Seabrook Performance Who's Hot Racer. Seabrook Performance does it all. Complete engine building, quality machine work, carburetors, and more. Seabrook Performance is also a stocking dealer for Cali's, Wiseco, Comp Cams, Moroso, Holly, Nitrous Express, and more. Call Leaks Loops. See? See, nice. Jeffrey? See how it works? <laughs> I was so close. Call Leaks Seabrook. But it's Luke Seabrook. So... Got to do all that over again. You get to listen to this professionalism. <laughs> no, that's fine. Ain't no problem. I ain't got nothing to do. I got a cold night to light my... Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer, led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100-plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, 
This is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.